Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunson Bugle, the number one place to get a car night fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. United lose at Wickham but pick up a battling point at home to promotion hopefuls Peterborough as the goalkeeper debate is reopened. We look back on two contrasting performances before looking ahead to this weekend's trip to Bolton with the Blue Army. A Blue Army is very much the appropriate phrase, isn't it, Dan? Because it's going to be an army travelling down to... to uh, It's not Lancashire, isn't it? It's great. Well, I suppose it is old Lancashire, isn't it? Greater Manchester. It isn't these yeah. days, but, but yeah, it's going to be a hell of a following down at Bolton, isn't it? Yeah, about 4,300 expected, which yeah. is just incredible. I mean, we were struggling to get that as a home game two years ago, you know. that That is more than attended um, Keith Millen's last game in charge, which is quite remarkable when you think about yeah. more on him later, though. Well, I was going to say, more on uh, Keith later. Yeah, and quite incredibly, we're going to be mentioning him in the X-Blues section. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, how you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad. What's anything yeah. been happening while I've been not on? It's been pretty quiet, hasn't it? You know, it's nearly a month since I think we had Dan on, wasn't it? I think we yeah. made this out before. I think Mike's been on, and I've had Greg. We've had Nick come on as well. He did an episode on yeah, this. So yeah. Thanks very much to those guys. For I've, been, I've been a bit busy with with other stuff. Yes, well, we'll we'll, we'll sort of very briefly touch on that in a minute, but. Um, but yeah, so in today's episode, we've got two games to cover. We've got the uh, Wickham game and the uh, Peter game. Unfortunately, we didn't. None of us were available to do a preview of the Peter game. I do apologise to everyone for that, but um, it, it probably won't happen too often this season. It was just one of those coincidences where we're all busy at different times. So unfortunately, no time to get us all together to record something. So we'll be looking back on the Wickham game, looking back on the Peterborough game, and also looking ahead to the Bolton game this weekend. Uh, just a reminder, though, before we uh, get into that, of our sponsor for this season. Um, yes, it is the Kai Knight Sports Club London Branch who are sponsoring us for the third season in a row. Uh, we really, really appreciate their fantastic support. really helps us in terms of uh, hosting costs for the podcast. They do lots of fantastic stuff for the club, do the little match in terms of fundraising and they arrange stuff for away trips and uh, things like that and also uh, travel and and pubs to go to and stuff like that. Uh, You can join them wherever. You You don't have to live in London and South East to join though, do you, Dan? Where could you live if you wanted to join? Libreville in Gabon. Oh, that'd be an interesting one. Libreville and Gabon, Mm. yeah. Any others? That just came on the top of my head because there was a question about Gabon on uh, the chase earlier. Oh, that would be pointless for you. He's flipping these days. Uh, Completed that, mate. uh, (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yes, you can do that. As we we keep saying, if you live in Jacksonville, Florida, you can join as well. So so there you go. Um, Speaking of, of, uh, quick shout to two of our newer listeners. Yes. uh, Tom, Tom Two and Nick, who both told me recently... They listen to the bugle, so good to have you listening, fellas. That, that, that's slightly worrying for me, though. I've got to be careful what we say now. Um, no, but yeah, fantastic to have a uh, Tom Tom Piatic two Piatic, sorry two, and uh, what's Nick's name? Nick the oh, I keep forgetting. He's, he's, I've got it written down somewhere here, but we'll, Massey, we'll it out. Demasi, that's the one. I knew it was yes. something like that. Nick DeMassi. So, guys, thanks very much for listening. It's it's great to see how involved they are on social media actually as well, and uh, Jenny as well. She's been posting a lot of stuff, hasn't she, uh, over the last few days in terms of them attending games. So, really good stuff. But yeah, in terms of the London Branch, if you want to find out more about them, go to their website, carlislelondonbranch.com. 
Org. Right, Mike has done us a question of the week, Dan. Do you want to save that for the start of the second half of the show? And we'll no, I'll do it now. Go on, right, right. We'll Mike come back has... to it at half time. Mike has done us a question of the week, so I'm guessing it's Bolton themed. Let's hear what he's got to say. In 2008, former Bolton and Carlisle defender Danny Livesey was named in League One Team of the Year while playing for the Blues. Now, also in that Team of the Year, we had one other Carlisle player, one former Carlisle player, and a Brunton Park pantomime villain. Who are they? Ooh, I think I think right. we know the I Carlisle player. I, I think I know who the pantomime villain will be. I think I do as well. I think I know the pantomime villain. I think and the Carlisle player is obvious. It's Kieran Westwood, isn't it? We all know that. That's pretty, you know, that season he was the outstanding goalkeeper in League One. The pantomime villain, are you thinking a, a ginger midfielder by any chance? No, I oh. was thinking of a striker. Who? Uh, Jermaine Beckford. I, see, I thought he would just be the ex-player. Yeah, I, then, I, and, then, and then that did come to mind as well, yeah. I think I think Nick Nicky Bailey might be the uh, the midfielder because he was very good was it for Southend that season I think because they were right up there if, if memory serves me right we'll come back to it at the uh, the start yeah of the we'll have to think about that so there you go that that that's the uh, question of the week from Mike um, right uh, let's go to the news section Dan there's not much to cover in terms of news um, just basically it was an update from the CSG meeting in terms of um selling clauses. That was one of the interesting things that came out of this, wasn't there, in terms of uh, yeah. the um so that's that think, was involving uh, Henderson and uh, Trafford. Yeah, I think I think the obviously exact figures can't be yeah. uh told due to confidentiality clauses and all that, but the suggestion was it was in the re- for both combined was in the region of what the pure pay debt originally was when it got novated, which was one point one million. I think I yes. think most people seem to have settled on Trafford being approximately seven fifty K and Henderson being about five hundred K. Yeah. Because obviously he was minus some previously received money. Them yeah. two together are basically one point two five million. Uh which, you know, give or take a few thousand, I don't think you're gonna be far off. But yeah. it will come over four years. Which is a shame because I'm, I'm, it used yeah. to be that you get it in one lump, but they seem to have changed that yeah. again now, haven't they? So yeah. a bit frustrating, but there you go. Um, yeah, a few of a little bits came out about just it, it's all really positive in terms of shirt sales and um, you know catering and stuff like that, and match tickets as well. It, everything's on the up, even though you know we're not doing that great on the pitch at the start of the season. We're doing okay, but off the field, everything seems to be really positive, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, you know, fan zones going from strength to strength. Even Tuesday night when it was, you know, mm. a bit of a less crowd on a Tuesday, it was still busy. You know, the, the bars are busy, the food outlets are busy. It's uh, it's yeah. good. Well, you think you go back, I remember going to the game against Port Vale a couple of years ago under Millen on a Tuesday night. It was around about my birthday. And I think we only had about just over 3,000 at that game. We had double that last night for the game against Peterborough. And Peterborough only bought, what, Fair play to them, just under 300 fans on a Tuesday night all the way. That's a hell of an effort. Um, but yeah, it just goes to show, doesn't it? You know, the positivity in terms of stuff like that. Um, yeah, so yeah, in terms of CFG, lots of good positive stuff in there. Um, got to briefly mention, obviously, you can't talk too much about the takeover, Dan. We sort of mentioned this before in terms of, you know, your position at Kiosk and that. But just in terms of the meeting the, the other week with the Piatics, um, 
must be really pleased for how that went because it's the first chance we've had to talk to you about this. Yeah, uh, really. Uh, long day. Uh, mm. I think I didn't put a 10 to 8 shift in that Sunday. <laughs> uh, but no, no, uh, you know, ticket take up was good. We obviously have one or two don't show because, you know, things yeah. happen and that. But we had, we had over, I think we had about 225 in the building mm-hmm. and a little few more on the stream. Big shout out to Chris who set the stream up himself yeah, and that that worked really well uh yeah so about 500 members of we we actually hit 1100 members this week so it's uh wow it's so you had another still, 100 joins since then it's still growing yeah that's incredible yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's it started slowing down this last couple of days but we're up to 1100 and obviously the onus is on us to sort of do more and push on more but uh it looks like we're going to be a bit more involved yeah as and when the takeover hopefully goes through. But no, the actual meeting itself was brilliant. Uh, you know, I mean, Tom Senior spoke excellently. Uh, you know, the rest of the family were very approachable afterwards when, you know, we were tidying up and fans were having a drink. And uh, no, all, all in all, it was good. Obviously, the vote happened since. Uh, we, we thought it would be a landslide, it proved to be. And now we just wait to see what happens in the coming weeks, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yes, they've obviously said they want to have it done, hopefully by, well, we've run about in the next week or two, isn't it, basically? I think they said about 10 tenths of the 14, round about the one it done. So fingers crossed it can be sorted out and we'll be giving you some good news on the pod. And we, we are hoping, aren't we, Dan, that we're going to get uh, at least the two Toms on the pod to talk about things if the takeover goes through afterwards. Yeah, we? yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll be sorting that out hopefully uh, if and when it goes through. Brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. Right, let's get into it then, Dan. Uh, time for some match reviews, and we're going to start with the game of the weekend, which was Wigan Wanderers 2, Carlisle United 0. Um, I'd probably argue the most disappointing performance of the season so far, would you say? I mean, slightly better in the second half than the first half when we were down to 10 men, but overall, we just never really got out of the blocks, did we, in this one? No, it was it wasn't brilliant. Uh it's always a tough place to go. Uh it's you know, we we don't generally do well at Wickham apart from one Raj four one win the we day after. There, we, under Curl, yeah. But that, that's Knight, the only I, mem- I remember when Knighton sacked uh, Mervyn Day we won four yeah. one and a four-one win was possibly the worst result <laughs> of the season uh, because uh, Janssen absolutely ran the show that day, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Mm. But uh, no, uh, no, we just didn't get going, and obviously events, events we're about to touch on, uh, didn't help. No, uh, there was no changes to the team for the third game in a row. I think it was kind of expected that, wasn't it? Really, the, the, the team wasn't going to change. The, as you say, there, the big talking point, unavoidable talking about it, is twenty-nine minutes in the red card for Jokel Anderson. Um, it just this was just a. A shambles of a moment in the game, wasn't it? Really, it's um, reminiscent of a uh, Hallam Hope and uh, the goal he scored for us against Notts County. Yeah, was, but went yeah. viral, wasn't it? it was... I, I think the disappointing aspect of it was one: the awareness wasn't there, hmm. and two: I don't think anyone really helped him by saying behind you. You know, it sounds yeah. like a pantomime that, but that's that's what it was. You know. So, for anyone who hasn't seen it, essentially. Anderson deals quite well with the ball into the box, claims it. All the players go out, except Sam Vokes, 
who's lurking behind him. He's not even off the pitch, is he? He's still on the pitch and just right behind Anderson. Anderson just has a look upfield to see what's available, rolls the ball out, and Vokes is like, thank you very much, nips in. And to be fair, Vokes is actually quite slow, and his first touch isn't that great, <laughs> to be fair. Gives Anderson a chance to potentially challenge, but he's so slow to react to it, isn't he? And this is something we've been critical of him on the pod in, in recent episodes, is his reaction time sometimes to incidents like this. He reacts very slowly and sort of lunges in, possibly clips Vokes' legs first, and then sort of bundles into him. I don't think he handles the ball, you know. I've watched this back a few times, and I, I can't see the point where he actually had... It kind of looks like his hand brushes towards it, but he de- I'm pretty sure he doesn't handle it. I don't know what you thought when you saw this. Yeah, it's, it was just a mess. Mm. You know, I mean, you could see why it was potentially classed as a handball at first sight. Yeah. You could see why it was potentially classed as a foul. Yeah. Uh, it just... There was nothing good in it. It just it was a a mess, and you know, unfortunately, you got to go. Yeah, I, I kind of think that's the reason why Simmer decided we wouldn't appeal it. I don't think it was so much. I think he probably looking for well, he probably hasn't handled it, but he's bundled into him, and there's an argument that he's not really got the ball first time there. So, just yeah, not great. And uh, the frustrating thing for me is I've seen a lot of few people saying always oh, defenders didn't warn him. As a goalkeeper, you should still be looking behind you in that situation. If you're coming to the edge of your box, especially, you should be checking behind you. He doesn't once look behind him to to check whether anyone's there. And if you do watch, actually, from the pitch side blues video, I think I can't remember it's Mellish or Lavelle does point back to him just as he's about to throw the ball, saying behind you. But he's so slow to react to it again that yeah, Vogue snips in and. Yeah, red card and um, Thomas Hode has to come on. Luke Plange goes off. I don't think Luke was very happy about that, but I think at the end of the day, it was the only real decision to make, wasn't it? In that situation, yeah. to take his striker off. Um, and you're always going to go for Plange over Maguire in that situation in terms of having some experience on the pitch. Um, yeah, they had a few early chances before that. I think Keogh had a, couple, a decent chance for them. I think McCleary had a couple of ones where you had a header that clipped the post. Sorry, sorry Farino clipped the post from a header from a McCleary cross. And then... Um, then comes the uh, the penalty. Oh, well, that, no, to be fair, Maguire had a chance before the red card, didn't he? One where he was sort of uh, played in behind and tried to lob the keeper with a first-time effort that just went onto the roof of the net. But, yeah, the, the penalty as well, not particularly great defending this, was it? No, no. Uh, again, just... <sighs> just annoying, another mess, you know. And two... two, two uh two big moments mm. that have been, and I'll keep saying it, messy, and basically decided the game. I've seen a few people say they think, because basically McCleary gets into the box, gets past Huntington, and he sort of dives in, and I've seen a few people say he won the ball. For me, it's a bit of a scissor tackle, and I don't think you're ever going to get away with that, are you? Well, yeah, you can you can win the ball and still be penalised these days, depending how you win it, you know. Yeah. For me, I think he's... He's kind of almost pulled him back and gone through the back of him to get to the ball, hasn't he? And I, I look back and thought, look, I'd have to be closer to see whether it wasn't. But for me, when I saw it, I thought, mm, looks a foul to me. I didn't really argue too much with it. So, uh, yeah, really disappointing. But it is what it is. And Luke Lee steps up and uh, sends Holy the wrong way to give them the lead into the second yeah. half. And, and 
you know, we're better second half, to be fair, you know, we had a, we had a few chances. Um, we, we had a spell where we certainly competed, you know. Yeah. I should say after the red card as well, Finn Bach did hit the post as well with an effort from the edge of the box, which was, uh, we was a bit unlucky with. Um, you know, uh, Garn had a chance that he volleyed over the bar, um, but you, you always felt that Wickham maybe were just sort of holding back and had a chance to step it up and... As it was, they did, and Sam Vokes gets the second goal, and I feel again this is a soft goal to concede. What do you think? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't brilliant, but uh, you know by the time it was scored, we're probably starting to flag a little bit, playing with a man less. You know, I mean, was it just on the half hour when the red card happened? Just before? yeah, just on the half an hour, so we played pretty much yeah. an hour with, with so ten. you know, it's it's a long time to play with ten men. Sometimes if it's Later in the game, you can sort of, you know, your energy gets you through it. Yeah. But when you when you when you're going deep into second halves, you know, tiredness can kick in. Yeah. So for the second goal, uh, balls played into Vokes on the edge of the box, and he does well to hold off Lavelle. But I feel like Lavelle could get a bit tighter and stop him turning. I think he's allowed to turn a little bit too easily. Hits a low shot, and I don't know, at first I thought maybe Holy could do better, but actually I think it's right in the corner, isn't it? And there's not really. Huge amount he could have done about it, and uh, and that was it really. So um, yeah, really frustrating in terms of that. Um, I basically I prepared a preview just in case we, uh, in terms of the uh, the what you call it, the running order that we have for the pods that we done, that was based on us looking at that and almost looking ahead to the preview game. So a lot of it's kind of not that irrelevant now, really, isn't it? But just a few points to pick it out. Um, in terms of Anderson. It kind of it really reopened the debate, didn't it? In terms of who was going to be number one keeper, really, for the next game. Oh, the next game obviously was going to be Holy, but long term, it kind of offered a, a way back in for Holy, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. And uh, as as we'll talk about in the Peterborough game, I think I think it's fair to say it's Holy shirt to lose now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the frustrating thing with Anderson is you can see a really good shot stopper there, can't you? He's made some real, like, the game against Stevenage especially, you know, he was fantastic in that game. And some of the ones, you know, the ones against uh, Shrewsbury had a decent game there. But you just feel like there's a rick there, and I don't feel as confident on set pieces and things like that he's gonna, that he's going to dominate. It, 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 there's just a feeling of, like, oh, there's something, even the Stevenage game where he had a great game, he was lucky in that one that he didn't uh, concede another goal that was dislike for offside yeah. that wasn't yeah. offside, so... It's one of those ones you maybe just have to take him out the fire line for a bit and then put Thomas back in and uh, you know give him a chance to establish himself in there as well. Um, in terms of Wickham, I mean we've, we've got to accept that they they were in the championship a couple of years ago, weren't they? And they've built a squad up over the last four or five seasons at least. In fact, longer you could probably argue under Ainsworth. So that's what we're competing against, and we're just sort of on the start of that journey, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, they've been they've been up to the championship. Never mind League One. You know, yeah. And uh, on, they are a smaller club than us, but they they sort of show that it is possible. You know, so mm. and they've got American owners as well. To be fair, yeah, this goes to show, doesn't it? Yeah, right. So we've got two six second reviews from that game, so we'll see if there's any other talking points they come out with. Uh, first up, uh, Chris Foster. I think Chris Foster's a, like a long time Blues fan from the old uh, mailing list, isn't he? Um, yes. And I think this might be the first review he sent us in. So uh, here's Chris's review of the Wickham game. Hi there, Chris Foster here with my 60-second review of the 2-0 away defeat to Wickham Wanderers. We had a tough start to the game. We were inviting pressure on too far back and didn't create much. 
didn't push forward enough and seemed to be caught short on the ball without options to to move forward it was a recipe for disaster really and it soon struck with um, some bizarre decision making from from Jokal Anderson with a complete lack of awareness of what's going on around him and his reaction to that was just unbelievable um, he can have no complaints about the red card other than that though the referee has, did make some very poor decisions not more so with the penalty which even if Simo says otherwise with um, the spirit of the law or letter of the law it wasn't a penalty um, Huntington got the ball Wickham player didn't even appeal but it was given anyway and it set us back for the rest of the game even from there we did play better for the second half and we had some great opportunities we just couldn't make the most of them and ultimately capitulated to 2-0 I can't see where the wins are going to come from from here but I'm sure we'll get them anyway and up the blues Pretty concise there from Chris. It's interesting, you know, from someone who was at the game has got a different view in terms of the penalty, isn't it? Really, you know, he mm. he was because it was right in front of the Blues fans as well, so he had a much more up close and personal uh, view of it. So yeah, maybe goes to show. So there you go. Right, uh, the second one, Chris Martin. He's a regular sender of these, isn't he, Dan? So uh, here is Chris's review. Two 0 Wickham, and to be fair, they deserved it. Really enjoyable atmosphere before the game. Seeing the Piatex interact with so many fans. I was one of the people there with uh, a USA flag, but I was outdone by the man who had a USA flag and a USA hat, so well done to him. Uh, Really enjoyable atmosphere, 400 of us there, which was good. Um, The less said about the goalkeeper, the better, but I will admit I am one of Thomas Holy's biggest critics. In fact, I remember doing a 60-second review for you for Doncaster or Chris uh, Crew around Christmas, and I slated him and I thought he was useless. Well, if that's the backup option, then uh, Thomas Holy's starting to look like Jean-Luigi Buffon. I think the place would have gone absolutely wild if he uh, got the penalty. I'm not saying we looked better with 10 men. It was still difficult. McCleary absolutely ran the show. But we did look better with wingers, and I'd like to say play with wingers a little bit more this season. Fair point. We'll, we'll get on to that in a minute, actually, in terms of the people game, in terms of wingers, because that's the, the debate, I think, that's, that's going to be uh, ongoing for the next few games, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, pr- pretty fair assessment again there. Uh, nice nice to hear about the Piatics as well, uh, interacting with the fans before the games. Nice photos of them. I love the photo of Tom too, though. What, Dan, that was a belter, wasn't it, of him uh, with his head in his hands? Yeah, well, welcome, welcome to the real Carlisle. Chats. Oh yes, well, yes, welcome to the real Carlisle United. Go, go and go and find the the photo of me from the Sutton game a couple of seasons ago. That that sums <laughs> up being a Carlisle fan. It's my, one of my profile pictures somewhere. Anyway, there you go. Um, yeah, pretty fair assessment in terms of all that stuff, Dan. Um, before we go into the preview game, just a little rundown of the League One results from the weekend. Um, Barnsley nil, Blackpool won. Uh, Blackpool get a few results together now, aren't they? They're doing okay. Uh, Derby nil, Cambridge nil. Not a great result for Derby. That I'd have, I'd have expected them to win that one. Um, Exeter really dropped off actually in the last few games, haven't they? They've suddenly started uh, dropping down the table. They lost two nil at home to Northampton. Uh, Fleetwood they got a one nil victory over um, Leighton Orient. Um, Lincoln City two nil win over Cheltenham. But we'll talk about Cheltenham with the midweek results as well because it's not great for them at the moment. To be to be fair, Peterborough they got two nil win over Bristol Rovers. Port Vale. They lost 1-0 at home to Bolton. There was a 0-0 between Reading and Burton. A 0-0 between Shrewsbury and Chatham. A lot of nil-nils, wasn't there? I noticed that in uh, League One at the weekend. Um, Stevenage, uh, they lost 3-1 at Ox- home to Oxford. Um, 
Wigan lost 2 1 at home to Portsmouth, and then obviously our game at Wickham was a 2 0 win to them. Right, on to the Peter game. Dan, uh, Kyle United won, Peterborough won. Much more enjoyable game to talk about this one, wasn't it? Um, although it didn't quite look like that in the first 20 minutes or so, I think it's fair to say. He looked a little bit terrifying. Yeah, uh, we know what Peterborough are in this division. They're a, a solid team, likely going to be in and around the playoffs, if not the promotion places. And start of the game, they showed us why, you know. I mean, they've spent money on the squad. They sell players for money. Uh you know, they've they probably deserve another go in the championship, but they've got to get there obviously. But no, they started strongly and you know, Clark Harris up front, you know, that's that's a proper League One striker, isn't it? What what you would give for one of those? I mean one point two million pounds they paid for him. <laughs> I mean I I I was trying to work this out. Do you reckon we've spent one point two million pounds in transfers in the last twenty years in total? Probably we'll, have a, not, we'll, have a, no. we'll have a little think after we record the pod and we'll, we'll post, we'll tweet maybe tomorrow. But I, I don't reckon we do because I reckon we've only done maybe four or five over a hundred grand or close to a hundred grand. So, yeah, it's an astonishing difference, isn't it, really, in terms of the budget? And, you know, hopefully we'll start to spend a little bit more soon and get a few better players in. But, yeah, it just goes to show. And as you, as you say, they spend a lot of money because I, I worked this out while I was listening to the game. I got it slightly wrong when I sent it to BBC Radio Company because I forgot to mention Peter Kayoso who's um, on loan. But eight of their starting 11, they paid fees for. Other than the only other three were Peter Cayoso is on loan from Rotherham. And I think Burroughs and um, another one who's come through their academy. So just goes to show, doesn't it, really? They they just pick off players. And I was looking, actually, they, they've picked a few from Exeter and a few from um, Barnet, haven't they? They seem to have these strange links where they go to particular clubs and, and pick off their best Peter players. Peterborough have, have always been quite good at picking up uh, National League players yes. and recycling them on, you know, yeah. maybe maybe spending a quarter of a million to sign them, but we'll then get a million plus when they sell them, you know, so they, they do well like that. Yeah, I think the only one I can think of recently where they haven't, uh, where it doesn't seem to work out yet, is the lad from Boreham Wood, who's on loan at Peter uh, Fleetwood, what's his name again? Um Chaminga, is that the one? Yeah. He scored a load yeah. of goals. Come on, go yeah. Chaminga, yeah. No, not from yeah. Bournemouth, he's from Chesterfield, wasn't he? That's where they got him from. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah, so I think he's the only one recently I can think of that they've, you know, where it hasn't quite worked out like that, but there you go. Um, yep, yeah, so for this one, uh, three changes to the start of 11. One forced and two other, well, they were tactical. Thomas Shirley obviously coming in for Jokel Anderson for his suspension with Gabe Breeze coming onto the bench. And the other two... Um, it's one that, if we'd done the preview of the period game, I probably would have suggested maybe would have happened. Paul Huntington came out the starting eleven, along with Luke Plange. Um, Alfie McCalment and Joe Garner came in, and United went to a 4-3-3. Were you surprised by this? Well, I, I, first of all, I think it was more a 4-1-4-1 than a 4-3-3. Mm. I think there when was we were a couple attacking... of times when I looked, and Guy was just sort of, when we were in the lines, Guy mm. was like a one behind the four almost but you know it's it's 4-1-4-1 but it can go to 4-3-3 when you know certain situations well, when you're attacking which we weren't doing a huge amount in that first half yeah. to be fair so you probably you, you probably bang on the money there Dan in terms of 4-1-4-1 um, yeah were you surprised though with the change yes and no uh, I did think we may go to a 4 the problem, if we go to a four, is both Hunt and Sam Lavelle are blessed with pace. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, that's not doing a disservice. That's just a fact. No. And no. um, I, I think, I think Lavelle's probably shaded Hunts this season for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. with keeping Big John in, you sort of got the the left right sided balance that you need. And John can get back and cover. He's got a bit of pace at all times, and a bit of energy. Plus, you've got to remember, Hunts doesn't always play Tuesday night. He missed, uh, was it the League Cup game he got rested yeah, for? Yeah, Harrogate got rested for. Yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of makes sense, that because the thing with him as well is, he, he's what, 30, is he 36 now? I can't remember. I think he, mm. t- he had a birthday fairly recently, didn't he? You've got to manage him through some of these games now. You've got to be careful. And, and this weekend, such a big game. You have a big crowd behind us. You'd think you'd rather keep him fresh for that one, wouldn't you, in the Peterborough game? And you'd, you'd give a chance to change it up and do something different in terms of that, don't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah he has just turned 36, by the way. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I know Bolton usually line up in a, a 3 4 1 2 or similar. Uh, so, you know, we might we might go back to a back three to match them this this weekend, it'd be no surprise if he came in. Uh, there are others in the picture now, but we'll talk about that later in the preview. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's you know, it's at the end of the day, Simo's job is to make hard decisions, and if dropping his captain for a midweek game is one of them, so be it. You know. Yeah. What about uh, plans dropping off the bench to the bench for Joe Garner? <laughs> it's. I think that's just sort of reflective on how our forwards haven't really. Hmm. Clicked, gelled, if you, for want of a better word, we just yeah. we're still sort of looking for that ideal combination. No, I think you're right there. Yeah, just just trying to find the right the, the right pairing or yeah three to play up there at the moment. If you're playing four three three, um, in terms of chances in the game, I mean, they started like a house on fire, people, didn't they? The pace wise, were just really going at us and. You could probably see why Simo had, had switched formations to try and counter that, couldn't you? Because down the wings, Jones and well, Kiyosa was supposed to be right back, but he was playing more like a right winger for most of the game, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He was really, really impressive. So, just speaking one, of the wings, yeah. uh, I just saw BBC Cumbria uh, on the socials earlier put a stat that I think Finn Back and Jack Armour are both in the, the top list of most tackles in the division. Yeah, top 20, aren't they, along John Mellish? Mm. I think he's also in there possibly yeah. as well, I think. So, yeah, quite impressive, that. Um, early chance after literally about two minutes, wasn't there, for Peter? But a great run down the left by Jones. He played a ball in the Mason Clark dummy, and it fell to Clark Harris. And you'd back him nine times out of ten, wouldn't you, to put that in the back of the net from 12 yards out? But he blazed it over the bar. Um, really big chance. There was another one... Um, not long after that, Kyoso had a run down the right this time and he played it into Clark Harris. He turned quite nicely on the ball, but I think Lavelle got a, a really smart block in to deflect the ball wide. Um, Holy then made a, a really good save on to deny Jones from a Kyoso ball into the box, although the offside flag was up with that one. Um, and then Clark Harris again, he, he must have had about six or seven chances on his own, wasn't he, in this game? He tried his luck from 20 yards and Holy brilliantly tipped the ball around the post and... Some yeah. great footage of that, isn't it, on the uh, the goal cam on the club's yeah, Twitter account. Yeah. It's worth seeing. Um, again, another great save from Holy to deny Mason Clark from a tight angle. And then United's only real chance, I would say, in the first half was when Maguire was sort of... In fact, there was a couple of chances, to be fair. There was one where Maguire was sort of played in and he just got forced wide, didn't he? And I, I just felt like if, he, if he'd gone straight, the lad might have brought him down. But he sort of tried to go wide 
couldn't get a decent shot away. Then Moxon blazed over the the loose ball from that came from that, and then Garner tried his luck with a volley from about forty yards, didn't he? That sat up quite nicely for him, but he just couldn't quite get over the ball. So they're the only real sort of chances for United. Um, into the second half, um, there was a few chances for for Peterborough from distance for. Uh, Mason Clark and for uh, Randall they've tried the luck from distance we'll talk about the penalty shouts in a minute we'll keep that sort of separate from the chances um, and then yeah the goal for Peterborough really frustrating this because we defended so well and then it's probably not as sloppy as some of the other chances we've conceded this season is it would you say but it's just a no. very good ball to the box a good header from yeah, Edwards yeah. in the back of the net yeah basically yeah, it's as simple as that. It was. It was yeah, just one of the, Go on. Yeah, it's just one of those set pieces that goes against you. You know, there's not much you could really say. Simo didn't argue too much about it. He didn't really sort of slate anyone too much. I think he was kind of like a bit frustrated, but kind of like he accepted a very good ball and a good header, and yeah, it's a goal. And 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 from there, you know, we, we had a bit of a go, and it, it was kind of felt like the game was drifting away a little bit. And then later on. Really sloppy bit of play from one of their players. I, I don't know who it was that committed the foul on on the the left. There was no real need for it because it was into the last minute of injury time. One of our players gets brought down, and Callum Guy, f- full credit to him, getting on with it quickly. He, he basically rather than wait for Moxon to come over, he said, "No, no, I'll loft it in." Lofts the ball into the box. It's headed clear to the edge of the box where Gibson, twenty five yards, twenty yards out, takes a touch and then smashes a low shot that takes a. Fl- Massive deflection off the defender and completely wrong foots the keeper and ends up in the back of the net. And Brunton Park goes barmy. I'm sure you were going barmy from your seat in the B stand for this one, Don. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yes, it took a deflection, but given the, the shambles of the penalty shouts, I think it was, you know, I think it was fair. I mean, overall, a neutral would probably have said a draw was about right for this game. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because like, I agree with you. I think as well you've got to say about Gibson's effort, Gibson's goal, because it was on target. It was a really controlled shot, wasn't it? And I think yeah. I said this on, well, we'll talk about it. I've, I've, I've appeared on a, a another show recently, so we'll talk about that at the start of the second half. But I mentioned the fact that in that situation, he's probably the player I would most want to be on the ball taking a shot from that distance because he is very controlled and technically very yeah. good with it. Really well hit. Um but yeah, if you look at the bare stats, Dan, you'd probably say, well, actually, Peterborough probably deserved it, you know, twice as many shots, you know, way more shots on target. Yeah. But actually, I, I thought they, they probably were better. And I thought, if I look at the whoscored.com stats, there's every chance that they're, you know, going to be on top in terms of, you know, the, the average score for the players for this game. But actually, actually, when you look at it, we got slightly better overall scores than them for this one. Which that, and that genuinely really surprised me. I was like, wow, I, I thought they'd be maybe a few points ahead, but I'm just loading up the scores here again now. The average score for our players was 6.62. Oh, it's, it's changed now. Now, this is really weird. It, it keeps doing this. I mean, I'm a, I look like an absolute idiot now. It was 6.59 towards before and 6.57. And it's now changed to 6.65 for them and 6.62 for us. So very balanced. Let's just put it that way, okay? So yeah, draws are fair results. I don't know if I'm rambling on about that. That's really annoyed me that because it's made me look stupid. But um, but yeah, terrific effort really in terms of the, the way that the players played. It was a tough test, wasn't it? 
they're a strong pacey side. Like, as you yeah. say, they're a side that should be challenging for a place in the championship next season, or potentially shouldn't they? Come come next May. Yeah, they're going to be up there. It'd be a surprise if they're not. But I'll tell you something when you when you look at uh, the list of teams we've played so far, most of them are at the top of the table. Yeah, you know, yeah. and both Oxford, <laughs> Oxford, Stevenage, Peterborough, Derby, Port Vale, Wickham, uh, Exeter, Lincoln. That's eight of the top eleven in our eleven games. It goes straight, but it's not been the easiest start in the world, and we've not been blown away by anyone, have we? That's that's the no, key thing. No, 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 no one scored more than two goals against us yet, so you know it, it shows we're, we're yeah. It's not, we haven't tight. been hammered. We haven't been hammered four nil anywhere. You know, just... yeah. Yeah, T- touch wood on that one, Dan. <laughs> Be careful. Yeah. You're playing Bolton this weekend, but um, but yeah. Well, well, let's talk about the refereeing decisions and the and the the penalty shouts. Uh, as a referee, I thought he was actually all right up until the, the first penalty shot. I thought he'd been fairly balanced in his decision-making. I, I don't get it. I, I don't get these decisions. The, the first one, the Maguire one. Maguire gets to the ball first, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. When, when, when you watch it, you can see the kick takes him down. Hmm. It's one of those ones where the player just nips in just before the defender is. The defender's going to kick it, and that's a penalty. Yeah. I, I can't get how he's not given that one. I think he's just thinking it's that tight. Oh, I'm not sure. I don't want to give it in case it's wrong. Um, then you've got the shirt pull on Jordan Gibson. Now, I've heard some people say that, oh, this would be very soft to give this one. He's pulled his shirt on meter. It's, it's, it's probably the least likely for me of the three main ones. But I, he, I he get, has pulled I his get shirt. the argument for... Yeah, I get the argument for, and I get the argument against, and it those sort of things boil down to how much give and take a referee gives. Yeah, you know, and, and where he was when the pull happens. Yeah. I think the fact that it's so exaggerated and you can see it so clearly makes it worse, doesn't it? I think when there's a tiny little pull or something in the box, you don't really think much of it, and you know, if if, if Gibson throws himself down there, then Surely the rest got to give it because it's a it's a blatant pull of the shirt, but he doesn't. He sort of kept going, didn't he? And you could see he was frustrated that nothing was given. I think he thought he was outside the box and maybe he was going to get a free kick for it, but because it was in, he didn't get given. The handball. I'm astonished that this one wasn't given. What do you think? It's, from where I sit up in B stand, the referee put his whistle to his mouth and was about to point. And if, my only. The only thing I can offer is the linesman spoke to him in his ear and went, no pen, no pen, and he's changed his mind. I 100% think you're right, that because if, if you watch the pitch side blues, he, he he has the hat whistle in his hand, he's ready to go to his mouth, and he looks across at the linesman, and the linesman say, no, because what I would say is, to be fair on the ref, he his view will be obstructed by the defender in terms of seeing whether it definitely hit his hand. But the linesman is looking straight across at it, he yeah. can see that clear as day. How the, the la- um, a lot of people slag the referee off. I think the linesman's got off lightly because oh, I, I, th- I honestly think he'd won a competition to have a go at being a linesman. He was that bad. Uh, you know what? S- some people have only said those three chances and they've said, "Oh, Terry Blade died for his." <sighs> I think that one's borderline as well. You know, 
yeah. There's a bit of a shirt pulling. It looks like he might even have his, his leg clipped as he's going down. It, 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 he's exaggerated it, but you can see why he's done it, because he's not given the other ones. So it was, yeah, it, at least two of those could have been penalties for me, at the very least. And, you know, you get one of them, and you take a 1-0 lead in a game like that. It's a completely different game, isn't it? You know, and then they, they, yeah. they go and get their goal you know, after. It, it, it's an old saying, but big decisions make matches and not giving blatant penalties, you know. It's, we If we, we got at least one of those penalties, there's a chance we win that match, you yeah. know. Yeah, we, we dig in, basically, and, and get a yeah. result, possibly. There you go. If we get two penalties, I, I, don't, I don't think many Peterborough fans would complain if we got two penalties. No. You know, get two penalties, score them, we win that game. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, more than likely. 4 3 3. Let's move on to talk about formations because we talk about refs too much on air sometimes. Um, yeah. 4 3 3. Did it work? I thought it did in general. I'd say 4 3 3. 4 1 4 1, as you say as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fluid, isn't it? Depending yeah. if you're defending or attacking, you know. But yeah. Uh, it certainly shows it's got a place this season. Hmm. Do you think? I think over the season we will still flick between, but we're we're used, we're used to transitioning from standard three five two to four three three. If and when John Mellish gets moved up, so it's not as though it's alien to us and brand no. new, is it? You know, we do no. play it a bit yeah, in I think game. It, you know, I do think it looks better with an actual midfield three in there though, and Gibson playing as one of the wingers. Yeah. again. If we're going to do that a bit more over the season, I think I'd like to see us sign a winger, either a free transfer, if there's one available now, or in January in the uh, transfer window, potentially. I think I'd like to see us sign at least one winger to potentially work into that situation. I don't know what you think. Uh, The problem with getting free agents at this time of year is... They'll take two or three weeks to get up to match speed. Well, mm. full fitness and then match speed another week or two later. There is there is a few out there, but it's you it's know what? Isn't it? Yeah, what 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 state are they in? You know, you we would need someone to come in and pretty much make an instant impact, and the chances of that happening are slim. Yeah. There would be nothing wrong with taking a free agent, maybe mid-November, end of de- November, early December, with the idea of getting them up to speed for yeah. Christmas and January. Yeah, yeah. You know. they have to be someone pretty good, wouldn't it? That's the thing. Yeah, you, yeah. You can't be just looking at any old player coming in that situation, or you end up with a, a load of Ben Tomlinsons and Junior Joe Chims, don't you? So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, let's talk about some individual performances then. Well, well, let's start with the goalkeeper debate first of all. As I say, surely that's the holy place to lose now, isn't it? I thought he came in and I thought he was really, really good. Actually, dominated. Yeah, yeah. In terms yeah. of his stuff, his distribution was very good as well. Actually, distribution was decent. Uh, we know he's a good shot stopper. Uh, didn't have much chance with the goal. I don't think it yeah. mattered who was in goal that would have went in. Yeah. yeah, he's he's basically said this is my shirt again. You know, Simo's comments very interesting, weren't they? That he was very talking about the fact that he's been very different in training, actually, and very vocal. He's been quite impressed with him, hasn't he, in terms of his yeah. attitude and the way he's responded to being dropped, which is a good thing to see, isn't it? You know, you you want you want to see that from a player when they're dropped. You you don't want them to be happy that they're dropped, especially with a goalkeeper. But yeah, he seems to respond in a really good way, and I'd, I'd agree. With you. I think for me, 
he deserves a runner at least, you know, four or five games now. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Anderson made, what, three mistakes in six, seven games? So, you know, how he deserves a little bit of slack now to potentially show that, right, I am the number one choice here. So, yep. Um, in terms of uh, defence beyond that, um, what do you think about Lavelle and Mellish as a centre-back pairing? I thought they did really well. I thought, other than that early little scare with the Clark Harris one, they generally kept them at bay, didn't they? You know, there was a lot of long-range shots and that kind of thing. But actually, defensively, they pair them, especially Mellish as well. Because, you know, we think of Mellish as this, you know, gung-ho, you know, bombing up and down the pitch, a bit chaotic defender. But actually, a really disciplined performance alongside Lavelle from him. Yeah, uh no, I think it was Lavelle on Instagram posted a picture of the two of them. Yeah. I think late in the game or the end of the game saying, you know, with a handshake as I say, good partnership and yeah, they, you know, they did they did play quite well. I mean, I've I've I said at the start of the season, I think Lavelle becomes a big player for us in time. Mm. Uh I think I know Hunts was was on the bench this week. I think in time he probably takes Hunt's place in the middle of a three. Because mm. unfortunately, Father Time will catch up with Hunts. We, we don't want it to, but you know it's it's going to at some point, and it wouldn't be a surprise if you saw the back three of Barkley, Lavelle, Mellish for a bit at some point. You know, yeah, I think I'd agree with that. But it, it, it's good to see though that Mellish has shown he can actually play in a back four because that was probably one concern fans had, wasn't it? That if he has to play a back four, is Mellish capable of playing in that? Well, yeah, he's shown he can against a very good team as well. So. That, that's a real positive to take from it. Um, Joe Garner in attack, a bit of a tough evening for him, wasn't it, really? Didn't have too many chances. He kept the defenders occupied, though, didn't he, as much as he could and, you know, put himself about, but not really one uh, one of those games for him in terms of opportunities. No. Uh, again, it's, it's just not happening in that final third fully, mm. is it? You know, I mean, we get chances... Uh, Maguire's uh, appearance, I've seen some people say he was brilliant and others say he was off form. And I'm, I think I'm in between the two. I just think it didn't really happen for him, you know, but uh, you know, he wasn't thought, brilliant. He certainly wasn't terrible. I thought the best stuff from Maguire was when he actually came inside because he was playing out wide for a lot of the game, wasn't he? He was sort of the wide right player. Gibson was on the left. But actually the best chance he's got when he sort of snuck inside and went to be the central striker out of nowhere and... He got in a couple of times behind the back. And the thing that's encouraging me for, for me about Maguire is that he seems to have saw his fitness issues that he had before he came to us. He's managed to stay fit pretty much, hasn't he? He's only missed like one game. And in fact, the game he missed wasn't a fitness issue, was it? It was a personal issue. So it, it's been really encouraging to see how many games he's got. And I think with the right strike partner, he can make a real impact, can't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would like to see Edmondson and Maguire get a run. Hmm. Simo seems I to have gone a bit off Edmonton though, doesn't he? Yeah, I know. It's a bit of a shame. But I, I, I do think there'd be something to work with there. And even if you played with a three, Edmonton can play a little bit wide as well. So you yeah. could have Maguire in the middle of, say, Gibson and Edmondson, you know. Yeah, I, I'd be, I probably would be more inclined to do that. And I can't see Garner starting this weekend because I can't see him starting two games in a row his age and that's that's just been fair isn't it especially with the shift he's had to put in there and obviously against Wickham in the second half when we were down to um, 10 men uh, for that game so yeah I'd, I'd imagine 
there's a chance that Plange either comes back in or Edmonton comes in for the weekend game, possibly. We'll have to wait and see with that. Yeah. Um, Jordan Gibson as well. Another fantastic performance from him, wasn't it, really? he's He really has stepped up at League One level, hasn't he? And Simo made a point of the fact that, you know, some of the players, I think, tried to claim that he's a, he's Simo's favourite, he's the teacher's pet. But Simo's like, well, actually, he's the player I've brought into my office most to criticize, like give constructive criticism and say, this is what you need to be doing better at. And, and he seems to be taking that on board, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, 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 I'm really impressed with him. And I, I said on, on the, the Carlisle social thing that I did with Radio Cumbria at the weekend, uh, during the week, sorry, I genuinely think once the takeover is done, he's one of the players I'd be looking at potentially extending his contract because he's out of contract at the end of the season. I think he's worth at least another year potentially at this level. Whether he'd want to stay or not, I don't know. Maybe he'll fancy himself down, moving you know, back down towards the Midlands way, but I'd, I'd love to see him stay a bit longer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Dave Timmins got a red card after the final whistle, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's also had uh, the FA spokesperson tweet today. Yes, he's got a that. charge he's got to answer for now. So yeah, that Simo did an interview and talked about it, didn't he? But he, that was before the charge was posted up. I think so. They weren't quite aware of it at that point. But um, yeah, interesting to see what happens. I don't know what happens in terms of bans with goalkeeping coaches and that sort of thing. Yeah, so. it's. Uh, I mean, I suppose it's no different to any other coach, really, is it? No, you did think so. So we potentially need to have someone in to do the job, won't we? For that you game, know, I guess, we, but... we'd maybe have to sit in the stand and have a radio link down to gather something. Or, yeah. or would get... you use your youth team keeper coach for a game? Yeah. Was it? Is it? Who is the youth team keeper coach? Is it? Is it um, Tony Cage's lad? I know he does some in the academy, doesn't he? I don't know if he. I don't. Know if, you know, in fact, it will be Timmins that does it for the youth team as well, won't he? That they train together usually quite often, don't they? The youth team keepers with the first team, so. Maybe we'll see, yeah, Tony Cakes. Um, I'm just getting it up now. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, while you look that up, Dan, um, shall we do a 60-second review? Academy, Academy goalkeeping coach is Roman Cake officially. Well, there you go. So it's Tony Cakes, lad, Roman Cake. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe, maybe he'll turn up for that one. You never know. Um, right. Uh, shall we do six-second review then, Dan, for this one? Yeah. And it's one of our regular contributors. Now, this is from young Craig Robson. This hasn't been filtered by his dad because his dad's away this evening and Craig sent me this. Yeah, himself. his dad's at a concert tonight. I'm just so, saying that on the so, Facebook earlier. Interesting to see what Craig's got to say, what he's going to get away with. So uh, here's Craig's six-second review of the Peterborough game. What was this ref on? Happened again where we were arguably the better side and we just lost again to no fault of our own. But the thing I'm really glad about is Super Thomas Hawley. Thought he had an amazing game and was really unlucky with the goal because, to be fair, he couldn't really do much about that. Um, big up Dave Timmins because it seemed like he told the ref what he deserved to hear, to be fair. Um, Gibbo was looking on fire this game and he has done all season in League One. With, to be fair, yeah, a lucky goal, but he'd had an amazing performance this game. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know what their striker was doing, but he should have buried that shot in the second minute, put them ahead. Because to be fair, if they did, it was a completely different game. But I mean, the ref. Liverpool are complaining about their ref. His ref was awful, to be fair. And he was so one-sided. Because even when we lost the penalty shots, he, he really didn't care. He was really solid until the first shot, but he just ruined it after then. And I thought we were unlucky not to get the win, and we definitely should have. I mean, I can't wait for Bolton, and it looks to be an exciting game. But we just need a bit of luck up the blues. 
There you go. Pretty comprehensive there from Craig. Pretty much to the point. Mm-hmm. I don't think disagree with much of that. Um, yeah, not much else to say about this one then, Dan. I think that's pretty, pretty no, much covered, no. haven't we? Pretty happy with that in terms of yeah. the, the performance and results. Yeah. Um, shall we? Shall we do the quiz question before before we go to the break? Um, well, we'll do it after we do the League One results from midweek. We'll just yep. cover them quickly. Um, so uh, first up, uh, Blackpool's uh, decent run came to an end. They lost three one at home against Derby. Good result for Derby that one. Uh, Bolton, yeah. our opponents, uh, they got a three two win over Stevenage, which we'll be talking about in the X Blue section as well, won't we? Yeah, an X Blue involved in all three goals. Uh, in that game, um, Bristol Rovers got a 3 0 win over Port Vale. Uh, Burton Albion got a 2 1 home win over Wigan. Wigan's form's really dropped since we got the draw against them, hasn't it? Yeah, they got that, they got the result against Bolton after that, but then since then, they've, they've really found it a bit tougher, haven't they? Uh, Barnsley, they got a 4 0 win over Cambridge, is a brilliant bit of footage in this, Dan. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, one of the uh, Barnsley subs, I think, at the end of the game is going down the tunnel. As a Cambridge fan leans over to try and young fan tries to shake his hand, and the Barnsley player goes out to shake his hand, and then does the old uh, tear nose thing, you know, saying, eh, "You're not getting yeah. a handshake off me, mate." Um, obviously, the one-one draw for us against Peterborough. Uh, Charlton got a four-one win over Exeter, so we say they seem to have been dropping in form as well of late. Cheltenham nil, Fleetwood two. Cheltenham now is that ten games without a goal this season? It's a good run, isn't it? It's a now, I think it's the, uh, 11, the 11 now. 11 games, yes, yeah, so 11 games without a, a win, which equals the Football League record apparently for the start of the season, which is astonishing, really, isn't it? <laughs> you think yeah. about it. Uh, there's still plenty of time before they play us, so we're not going to end that run with any luck. <laughs> it would be sod's law if that happened, wouldn't it, really? But there you yeah. go. They've appointed Daryl Clark as the new manager, haven't they? It's quite a decent appointment mm. for them, actually. I think it's quite a smart one. Uh, the Leighton Orient Lincoln game was 2 1. Uh, unfortunately, this game had to be abandoned for very sad news, wasn't it, Dan, this one? Because I saw you, uh, the kiosk tweeted about this, didn't they, uh, during the week? Um, sadly, there was a medical emergency in the, in the crowd. Um, the referee wasn't going to stop the game, was he? Even though this was happening literally yards away from the pitch. Yeah. And I think two Orient fans tried to get on the pitch and say to like, the linesman officials, say, you have to stop the game. Someone's and they sort of got bundled out. off. P- people didn't, yeah. didn't realise what was going on. You know, there's... Yeah, there's a few videos of people booing them, saying, "Why are you going on the pitch?" But then, when the others realised that they were being listened to, a lord went on and did a, yeah, a sit down to say, "Look, look what's happening," you know. Yeah. Uh, sadly, it turns out it's a fellow who did a lot of work for them in the '90s with their tunnel, yeah, stuff, isn't yeah. it? A guy called Derek, and uh, yeah, so sadly the game was abandoned, and then sadly the the guy Derek died. So it's really, really sad news. But yeah, fault fault with everyone. Yeah, I saw something about Lucas. Because Lucas Jensen obviously is the Lincoln goalkeeper. Apparently, he was trying to basically urge the ref to stop the game as well because he could see what had happened. So uh, yeah, 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 very sad news. Uh, Northampton they got a three-one home win over Reading. They're in free fall as well, aren't they? Really, they yeah. was even with their point deductions as well. So not good for them. Oxford United they're flying three-nil win over Shrewsbury. Well, some of us did predict to do all right this season. Yeah, to be fair, you're absolutely bang on. You're bang on. I'll, I'll give you credit there. Um, I've got to say, have you seen one of the goals in this one, the Shrewsbury goalkeeper? No, I've not seen any of the goals from mid Oh, my word, right. So the Shrewsbury goalkeeper, he tries once to dribble out of his box, gets away with it, goes back into his goal. The ball eventually, I think Feeney plays it back down the line to him. And again, he tries to dribble out of his box. 
gets tackled by one of their players on the left wing and he lobs it into the empty net from like basically from a crossing position. Absolutely astonishing. I have no idea what he was doing there, but Shrewsbury, yeah, really, really struggling. And uh, finally, Portsmouth, they really are finding form and they've got themselves uh, up to the top of the table now. Um, still haven't lost the game. Seven wins, four draws on 25 points into first place. Um, ourselves, United, we're in 20th on eight points. Um, being honest, I think I'd be quite happy to finish there at the end of the season. <laughs> if the season ended in an hour, I would be chuffed, wouldn't you? But hopefully we can get a bit higher than that. That's that, that's the aim, isn't it? But there you go. Right, uh, should we do the answer to Mike's question before we take the break? Yeah. So we'll just repeat the question quickly for to remind us. In 2008, former Bolton and Carlisle defender Danny Livesey was named in League One Team of the Year while playing for the Blues. Now, also in that Team of the Year, we had one other Carlisle player, one former Carlisle player, and a Brunton Park pantomime villain. Who are they? I think we got it right. I think it's Kieran Westwood. Kieran Westwood was definitely in the Team of the Year. Jermaine Beckford was, but I don't think he's a panto villain. I I don't know. I I just don't think he's a... I think it's Nicky Bailey, and the main reason I think that is because I know how much Mike hates Nicky Bailey. I think he might have even. But really I don't think he, I don't think he was good enough to get in the team of the year that year. For me, I don't know. I feel I, like it, he... it's, it's a curveball. It's a curveball. I don't know who it is, but I'm 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 suggesting it's a curveball. Okay, well I'm going Nicky Bailey. We'll, we'll I don't think Let's it go... is. It's someone else. Yeah. Okay, so here's the answer from Mike. So the other Carlisle player was Kieran Westwood. The former Carlisle player was Jermaine Beckford. And the pantomime villain was Richie Welland. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that is a curveball. Fair yeah, play, mate. That completely yeah. got it. For some reason, I was sure yeah. Nicky Bailey had a great... You know what I'm thinking now? Nicky Bailey was better at Charlton a few years later, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. at South End he was decent, but he wasn't that good back then, so... Yeah. No, fair play. He's caught us out completely there, Mike. That's a really good question. Right. Oh. Right. We'll take a short break and then we'll be back to the second half of the show previewing the trip to Bolton. Hi, I'm Thomas Holy, and you are listening to Brunton Bureau. Yeah, we can get big Thomas back out for the halftime break now, Dan, can't yeah. we? Now he's back in the team. Um, into the second half of the show. And yes, we're looking ahead to the Bolton game. Uh, first up, we have the behind enemy line section as usual. Uh, this week, I spoke to Ryan from Trotter Chatter. Um, was it Trotter Chat? Did I write this chatter, down right? Chatter. chatter. It is Trotter Chatter. I, got, yeah. I wrote it down right. Okay. So Ryan from Trotter Chatter. Um, what do we talk about? I talked about what a crazy twenty years or so they've had as a club. Um, how they've rebuilt after almost going bust a few years ago, and whether they can go one better this season compared to last when they just missed out on the playoffs. So here's the chat I had with Ryan earlier in the week. So yes, here we are with the latest episode of uh, Behind Enemy Lines on the Brunton Bugle podcast. Uh, and this week we're speaking to Ryan from Trotter Chatter, who's a Bolton fan, obviously, uh, to talk ahead of this weekend's uh, big game. Uh, Ryan, good to have you on the show. Um, it's been a remarkable roller coaster for Bolton fans over the last 20 years or so, hasn't it? When you look at it, you've gone from being in the UEFA Cup, drawing with Bayern Munich and beating Atletico Madrid to dropping down to League Two and now trying to get fight your way back to the Championship. Could you have imagined how things would change in these last two decades? Well, Lee, uh, <laughs> it, it certainly has been. Um, I'm I'm only 28 myself, so the sort of the glory days were 
sort of those taken for granted when you're a, mm. you were a kid and you don't realise what you've got until it's gone. Um, sort of my clearest memories are from basically from um, a couple of seasons before they, they got relegated from the Premier League and and the rot began. Um, obviously, dark days of basically not at one point we nearly weren't a club anymore. Um, mm. And to be honest, the situation what we're in now with a good manager good owners and, 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 and a good atmosphere around the club. I'm happy in League One at the moment, but but just for this season, we'll say. We, 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 yeah, so, so yeah, roller coaster is the word, but mostly down, really. So we're waiting for some ups. Well, I remember like a few seasons back, there was that remarkable season, wasn't there, where you started the season with basically kids playing games, didn't you? And and you actually got a few points in those games. That That must have been quite a... Like I said, that must have been really a dark day, you know, round about then, because, like you said, it was so close to your club not existing. Yeah, it's uh, that saying of how the mighty fall. Uh, it was it was everything throughout the club that was that was, there was an issue. It wasn't just what was going on on the pitch. The manager wasn't a right appointment. Uh, obviously, fans weren't coming to games. Why would they? Uh, it was very difficult to get bums on seats, so there was no money going through the club and. It, the, the uncertainty with ownership it, it was it was very dark it was very dark and uh, we remember very clearly um sky sports putting a countdown on for us of um going into uh, administration um so so we we still never forgive jim white for that uh, to to this day but yeah uh, it, it feels a bit like how covid feels like a million years ago if that if those days have feel far gone now but it, it gives you a perspective and an understanding of what, what what other teams are going through when they're in this situation now, and it, it gives you that level of sympathy as well. Um, but yeah, uh, crazy times, but it, it, everything's shining a little brighter now at the moment. You mentioned about your owners there and how positive the fans are about them. What, what have they done to make a difference over the last few seasons? So um, Sharon Britton um, is the majority stakeholder at Bolton. She's not flush. She's not flush, but um, she's um, she's injected stability into the club. So we'll never. A big issue with clubs who get relegated is obviously it's not it's the wages that you come down with, yeah. uh, and um, that was a big issue. It was crippling for Bolton, and uh, when you're at a point where you, your current owners aren't putting money into the club, and and everything isn't everything's being ran a little cloak and dagger. Um, it, it's concerning, and what Sharon's done, she's she's she, she's invested into the club, but she wants to do it properly. Um, I think until we bought Victor Adebayo, we we never spent spent over half a million for a player. Um, we, we we were focusing heavily on buying prospects and then selling them on, so like Moneyball to to use to use of a better phrase, and mm-hmm. and we we've been doing it the proper way, and 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 obviously Mr. Everts not on a door this season and gone to get us over that line now we, we need a, a little bit more money and she's given him that uh, and um, when we bought some more players and, and and we've invested back into the club as well we've we've had new we've had new screens done we've had it painted and those little touches make a massive difference to see that you where the club's going in in terms of a, like a positive direction yeah, because I think a lot of people look and think oh Reebok Stadium you know not that long ago is a brand new stadium but actually what pushing on towards 30 years nearly now, isn't it? That It's been open. So little things like that, sometimes clubs take for granted, don't they? They, they just let the, the stadium go to waste a little bit. So it's 
good to hear that they're investing a bit in that too. Yeah, it, 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 it does get thrown around a lot. Like when when Adebayo to 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 as an example doesn't have a game and, and they go sort of like those extra screens. We could have bought a different striker, but but <laughs> when you look at the big picture, it, it's good to see. It is really good to see. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah. I, I'm happy with how things are going and. A big example, I think, is when we were we weren't really scoring many goals apart from Dion Charles, and mm. they wanted to throw money at Johnson Clark Harris on the on deadline day, and and that's not the way we roll. And why would we drop sort of our ethos for as a panic buy in yeah, such a way? Yeah, absolutely, um, Ian Everett, your manager, he had a bit of a tough start in his first season, didn't he? I think there was, I think we played you on Boxing Day. And, we got a free free draw against you guys, and we were freeing up our time. And I think around about that time, there was a bit of a oh, is this man up to the job sort of thing. But the second half of that season, he was outstanding, and he seems to be quite a popular man with your fans these days. Yes, um, this this was sort of what worked for him for the good, but sometimes it can be quite frustrating. He's a very stubborn man, and he's a football snob. He likes to play in a certain way, and he wanted to play that in League Two which, as you know, League Two is a very difficult league, yeah. very physical. Yeah. It can be quite ugly. But whatever it wanted to do, he wanted to play this playing out from the back style of football from that level, and it didn't quite click. Uh, it took to January to get the right players in, and obviously he did get us promoted in that first season in League Two. Uh, and I think I think that, that that's, what's, that's what worked for us, and he, he's sticking with his ethos. And as, as much as we feel like sometimes... Can we just go four three three and gun call it sometimes, and, and uh, maybe lump the ball up every once once or twice? But yeah, yeah, that that is it. He's, he's uh, the difficulty with him is overall he's very popular, but he can run his mouth a little bit, and I think it, it doesn't just rile up the away support; it can rile up the home support when things don't go so well. Uh, but I think he's got enough credit in the bank to uh, to back himself up at the minute. Yeah. Looking at your score for this season and the work you've done over the summer, I have to say on our podcast we do a League Two, a League League One. Sorry, and you're thinking I'm in last season now. Uh, League One season preview, and I think all three of us predicted you guys to finish in the top two this season, and I think a lot of people are expecting big things. Are you, are you happy with the, the work you've done? Are you aiming for promotion this season? Surely, I, for me, it's certainly promotion or bust this season. I think we weren't quite ready last season. Obviously, the great cup win, brilliant, and, and a playoff finish. But we, we have to be we have to be in the championship. Um, like I say he's, he's invested money in players. We are a little short in places. We've had we've got quite a considerable amount of injuries at the minute, and we're really struggling for bodies. And, and and I think that needs to be addressed in January. So he has he has brought in some really good players. Um, Dakris Cogley came from League Two, and he's yeah, he's a good player. How he played in that division is is beyond me. Nathan Baxter from Chelsea is a goalkeeper. Uh, I mean, he brought in McGoma from Brentwood, Brentford. Sorry. Um, so yeah, he brought in plenty of players, and some questionable. Some some I'm hoping he'll prove us wrong. Um, but there's an argument. There's more money to be spent. But in terms of um, in terms of league finish, we, we need to be up there. We need to be, and 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 I think that that pressure will will make fans turn on ever if things aren't going so well. There's a, there's a lot on on the table at the minute. We've got we've got good players who we know can play in the championship, and we don't want those players to go play in the championship for a different side. Uh, so there's there's a lot of, there's a lot at stake. 
let's talk about some of the links between the squads. I think in the Carlos squad, the only ex-Bolton player I could see from having a quick look was Sam Lavelle. And I don't think Sam Lavelle played a game for you guys. I think he was uh, unused as a uh, player for you guys. In terms of Bolton, though, uh, three links in there. Geffen Jones, Jack Idell, and Kyle Dempsey, obviously a local lad from uh, West Cumbria. Um, Tell us a little bit how those guys have gotten for you. So um, Geffen Jones has been basically with um, Ian Everett since day dot. Him and Ricardo Santos and George Thompson have been from the league two days onwards. Um, Geffen Jones at the minute, um, he, he's, he basically is a right back. Everett moved to playing three at back with uh, wing backs and he doesn't quite fit e- the bill for either. So he, he might be sort of getting out of his depth at the minute. Kyle Dempsey is um, he, he's, he's a great player. Uh, he, yeah. Obviously, he's been yeah. recently in the news for, for some unsavoury <laughs> stuff but on the pitch. He does he does the job. He, he runs well. He passes the ball well. He's he's tenacious. He's got he's got some, he's, he's he's a leader and. Um, uh, and it's re- he's really important in our side at the minute. Luckily for you guys, he um, he is playing with a bit of an injury at the minute, uh, and with uh, us having a break um, due to our, our bands again being postponed, he might think about resting Dempsey as well and playing somebody else. Who, who was the third player? Sorry, Jack Iredale. Jack Iredale, yes. Um, yeah. So Jack came last season, had a great start with us playing at uh, left wing back. Uh, wasn't a great, wasn't a good fit for him, um, and uh, he got quite a large injury, so he was out for most of the season. He's coming at centre half this season. Obviously, he got uh, he got a goal and an assist last night, so he's got quite a lot to his game. Um, he, he's hit and miss, to be honest. Uh, he's uh, on a good day, he's brilliant, but he, he can be a little bit shaky. Um, but nowhere near our worst player. He's a weird one, Jack, because he came to us and. There was big expectations because he'd done well in Scotland and he never really got a chance. Went to Cambridge and went and won the promotion or the title, whatever it was, with them from from the division. So kind of like it was frustrating, like, oh, okay, we let, let him go, but but there you go. Um, who are the danger men to watching your squad, obviously, other than the ones you've mentioned so far? I mean, Ricardo Santos is one that always stands out to me because I don't think I've ever seen him have a good game of football. But I'm sure he is a very good footballer because I keep hearing he is. But every time he plays against Carlisle, for some reason, he has a stink. <laughs> Well, he's, he's actually injured at the moment, so oh, you don't need to worry about him. But <laughs> Rico is um, one of our best players and he, he will play championship football next season, whether it's with us or with another team. Very comfortable on the ball, strong, calm, uh, good passer. Um, won't let anyone get away with him. Like He, he put Johnson Clark Harris in his pocket last season and he wouldn't even know he were on the pitch. Um, Dion Charles, um, he's uh, I think he's bagged in seven of his last eight games. Uh, he scored again last night. Um, he's our he's our main goal threat. Who, who else have we got? Um, who else have we got? Um, we've got a strong midfield. Um, Josh Sheehan's playing well at the minute. as Welsh Welsh international. Uh, good passer of the ball. Um, he's a, he's what you call like a, a luxury player. But um, he, he is um, now he's now he's injury free. He does seem a bit more comfortable getting involved a little bit more. We, we we've got a lot less names this season so like we had more we, we had like Kachungu obviously played in Germany and in the Premier yeah, League yeah. we had like James Trafford and Connor Bradley from Premier League sides and they, they were stars like they they, they they played it at higher level uh, but we're, we're more of a unit this year it's more balanced like even Dapo Lion was a, uh, came from West Ham uh, played for us last season uh, and, and he was moved on as well um, we, we, 
we look better more as a unit now. And I think that's why it's more difficult to pick out a star player. Mm, fair enough. Um, so this weekend, big away following coming down to the Tough Sheet State. Yeah, very stadium. impressed. Yeah. I think, it probably is, I think it's our biggest league away following probably in the last 20, 25 years. But the last time we took Preston in 2011, we took 4,100. So I think it'll be just over that. Um, so a lot of Carla fans who were going to the game won't have been to your ground. So what can they expect there? I know I've been a couple of times, so I know what to expect. But what can our fans expect? Um, it's a it's a real it's a comfortable family atmosphere. I must say, it's, um, you, you sort of get get a real sense of community around the ground. You don't see any trouble, which is always nice. Except when Wigan come, it it, it never <laughs> seems to end well there. Um, and it's a stadium to be proud of. Where I, I, I you, you hear the word proper team thrown around. We've got a proper stadium and great facilities. Arguably, facilities far too good for the um, for, for the, the level we're playing at. Um, yeah, um, in terms of home support, we, we, um, we're very emotional. So when things are going well, it, it can be loud. When things aren't going so well, it can be quite volatile, but you'll certainly hear us. Um, but yeah, it, no doubt a good day. Um, there's plenty to do around the ground. Um, so so it's, it's a good day out. It's a good day out. I think there's quite a few of us going to Preston and Chorley before the game because... Because they're going to be so many. I think they're realistic and know that they probably need to go elsewhere for drinks and stuff like that. But there you go. Um, you've been really generous with your time. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, before you go, can you give us a prediction for the game? Well, I'm just fresh off our podcast and I've <laughs> just given a very bold prediction which raised a few eyebrows. Um, looking on pa- I'm going off an on-paper, very positive 4-0 to Bolton. No disrespect. <laughs> Well, no teams score more than two against it this season, so you'd be doing well if you become the first one to do. But I think when we looked at the results at the start of the season, we looked ahead to this game and like, oh, wow, that's going to be a tough one. So, so yeah, I, I'm not saying I would expect it, but, you know, with how good you guys are, it wouldn't be probably that much of a shock, but there you go. Uh, Ryan, thanks very much for your time and all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. No worries, no worries at all. Yeah, big thanks again to Ryan for giving up his time to speak to us about... Bolton Wanderers headed this uh, game, Dan. Um, it's one to look forward to, isn't it? I mean, huge way following going down. The trains on the West Coast are going to be absolute carnage. Chorley, Horwich, Preston, all going to be taken over by Blues fans. This is what we wanted to get up for, isn't it? Up, to, up into League One. Yeah. Um, you know, there were certain games, you know, people, people looked for when the fixtures came out, you know, Blackpool, Bolton, Wigan, you know, these are proper trips for us, you know, I mean, they're, they're nothing really to most of the fans of these clubs, but for us, they're close, you know, Bolton's the easiest one you can possibly do, you know, it's straight mm. straight down the M6 onto the 61 and you're there, you know, same with the train down to Preston, onto the local train to Horwich Parkway, it's it's no surprise we've sold, I didn't think we'd maybe sell over 4,000, but... No, I- uh, uh, yeah, I've got to say, I'm surprised because like, there was a, Wigan's the one we were all hyping, wasn't it? And we were a bit yeah. disappointed that it's over Christmas because, like, oh, typical, isn't it? That's yeah. the one we were excited about, and probably Blackpool next. So, I, I have to admit, I, I'm even shocked at how many we sold for this. It just, it yeah. seems to have been very organic, almost, hasn't it? The hype that's happened for this. It's not like it's been built em- up. By every anyone. man and the dog's going. You know, there's, there's going to be yeah. fourth day. I haven't seen in years. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, it's our first ever visit there, so it kind of. In that sense, you sort of expect that. Well, sort of no, thing, don't it's you? our second. The first Sorry, was under COVID. 
a first with fans. A first visit for yes. fans yeah. to the game, I should say. Sorry, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, I should say, uh, what I've been forgetting to do this season is mention the uh, the recommended pub by the London branch for some of these games. So uh, <coughs> Simon from the London branch has sent me in the pub for this one. It's quite an obvious one. It's the Beehive, um, yeah. which is on a Charlie New Road in uh, Lost Stock, in, which is fairly near the ground, isn't it, I think? It's yeah, ba- basically, right. if, you come, if you come off a train... You go down past the ground, and it's it's up about five to ten minutes walk up by the big roundabout from memory. Yeah. There's a lot of options. I'd, I'd imagine there'll be a fair few blues all stay in Preston and have a few drinks. I know a lot of going. To there's, there's a few well. going to Charlie as well. I mean, we, yeah. we've timed it so we get a pint in Preston on the way down, and then yeah. we'll probably end up to that beehive. Yeah, I think our plan is uh, we're going to go to um, Manchester, I think, and have a few drinks on uh, Deansgate or Oxford Road round about that way and then catch the train. Yeah, because, jump on the train. Because I should say as well, for anyone going as well, just a reminder that Burnley, uh, Chelsea are playing at Burnley as well <laughs> at, at the three o'clock kickoff on Saturday. So there'll be a fair few Chelsea fans in Preston <laughs> at the same time. So good luck, uh, Lancashire Constabulary, with that one. <laughs> That'll be a lot of fun for them, I'd imagine. Um, well, let's look ahead to this one then, Dan. Um playing at the Tough Sheet Community Stadium. Easy for me to say, I know. Um, yeah, Bolton, You did you tip them to finish top this season? I think yeah. you did, didn't you? Yeah. What's your thoughts on them so far? What's your thoughts on them in, in terms of their transfer activity in their squad this season? Uh, decent, you know. I mean, I'm not surprised they're doing well. Um, slight, slight dip uh, recently, but not massively. You know, they're still... They're still third. Uh, well, they've won the last two actually, haven't they? But uh, prior to that, the the lot they drew the drew with Peterborough, and I think they lost at Reading, which will have been a disappointment. Yeah, yeah. When you, you look at the squad, who, who who are the men that stand out for you in there in terms of the sort of quality? Avoiding the ex Carlo players because we'll talk about them separately. But who, other than yeah, that, I was, was going to say, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people. Ricardo Santos against us in the COVID season was atrocious. He's one of our best players. I've never seen him have a good game. Even when I want to watch live games, he's been rubbish. And I'm like, I know he must be a good player because I hear he's a good player from everyone. But it's just a quintus that every time I watch him, he's dreadful. He just had to, and I think he's injured the round, so he might not play the weekend. But yeah, it's a strange one, isn't he? He's a bit of a conundrum with our, in terms of games against us. Um, Dion Charles is a good striker up front, though, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they've they've got. Uh, I, I think they've got a, quite a few injuries at the moment and suspensions and whatnot. But uh, on paper, they've, they've got a good squad. I mean, there's a few. You can't not name the ex Blues. You know, I mean, Jack Iredell, Geffen Jones have both done well. Kyle Dempsey. You know that. I think Jones is. I think Jones is suspended, isn't he? I think he's missing this mm. game. I think he's uh, one of his uh, free game bad. I think he's on at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. Iredale's an odd one, isn't he? When he was with us, because I thought he looked okay at times, and he was one we hoped for big things from, wasn't he? Because he'd done so well at um, Greenock Morton, and Beach just never took a liking to him when he came in, did he? He basically think just decided, nah, he's not good enough for him, yeah. and he goes to Cambridge, and he was fantastic for them, wasn't he? I just think he was possibly a little bit raw when he came to us. Hmm. There was the odd game where he looked really good. I think it was just the adjustment from the hustle and bustle of Scottish Championship to to the English League. But fair play to him. You know, he got his chance at Cambridge, did really well there. 
and he's he's one of uh, Bolton's best players now. Yeah, he's been fantastic for them. And I think with us, he was maybe a bit unlucky that we had Christy Elliott on the other side who wasn't performing either. So, you know, when one fullback's not performing, the pressure's on you to do well as well, isn't there? So it's, you know, it was a bit tough for him in that sense. Um, Geffen Jones, good, solid, reliable player for us, wasn't he really? Obviously not going to yeah. play at the weekend, but he, he can never let you down. Kyle Dempsey. I just, look, he's a great player for Bolton. No doubt about it. There's a level of disappointment with for me with him because I feel like he could have been so much of a better player if he'd picked a bit better in terms of his next club when he left us what do you reckon uh, yes and no uh, I would say it's one of those if he if he used sense when going out drinking maybe help him a bit in his career yeah but that's come more recently hasn't it that this year but it, it's more I feel like he could have stayed with us one more season and I think he would have got a better club than Huddersfield in terms of his next yeah, year. Yeah. I feel like he took the first chance he could to leave and it's not so much disappointing that he left, it's more disappointing for his career. I feel like he could have gone on to be... He had everything at the age of 18. What, 10 goals from midfield yeah. that season? Captain yeah, the team yeah. a couple of games? So yeah. much ability. And he goes to Huddersfield and he barely plays there. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it just, just really frustrating that was at the time. Um, so move on from talking about the squad, Dan. We'll talk about um, the manager, Ian Everett. Uh, certainly a confident man, I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, his uh, videos prove that. <laughs> bordering on arrogant at times. Um, but can't deny he's done a pretty good job in his two management jobs so far, hasn't he? And he does like his teams to play quite nice football, doesn't he? Yeah, Um Strictly talking on his football stuff, he's he's done well. He's done well. You know, you can't deny that. I mean, I'm, he's one of those who rubs a few people up the wrong way, I would say. But he's doing it for the benefit of his team, isn't he? You know. Well, the only thing he rubs up the wrong way. Um, <coughs> yeah, so... <laughs> sorry about that. Um, yeah, he's it, an interesting one. I, I do wonder if, if he doesn't get promotion this season with them whether he might end up leaving of his own accord rather than even being sacked. I think he might look and think, is this as far as I can take Bolton? Because I'd imagine, even if he doesn't manage to get them up, he'll have plenty of suitors interested in him, wouldn't he? For you would think so, yeah. Because, like I said, he, he did a brilliant job at Barrow. Look, as you know, much as we might want to joke about it, to take a club like Barrow off from the National League, playing the way they did, he fantastic stuff from him. Bolton, he took a bit of a while to get them going there. Obviously, remember that game on Boxing Day, one of the games we were allowed to go to during COVID? Yeah. Absolute yeah. thriller, that one, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Well, we were freeing up at our time. We, we probably should have been five or six, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. We battered them, and then second half, we just collapsed. Yeah. And that was, it wasn't quite the start of our downfall, was it? But it was kind of one of those first sort of signs of like, okay, maybe yeah. we are a bit vulnerable. So, yeah, no, he's he's, he's a great manager, Everett. Um yeah, they seem to have signed pretty well in the summer. I think Baxter coming in to replace Trafford's a, a tough call, isn't it, really? Because Trafford was so good for them last season, as we've seen how good he's been for, for Burnley so far in the Premier League. So, uh, yeah, last time out, 3-2 uh, win over Stevenage, as we mentioned. Form-wise, um, they're currently eight from the last six games form table. They've got a record of drawn one, lost, drawn one, one. United are actually up to 18th now. That uh, draws helped them move up a little bit in... Uh, in midweek, um, in terms of the usual sort of stats and figures, uh, head-to-head wise, it's the thirtieth meeting between the two sides. Uh, very equal, though, isn't it? 
11 wins for United, 11 wins for the Trotters and 7 draws so far. But if you look at the last 10 meetings... What league table are you looking at? The last six games form table, Dan. Oh, the last six games, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, I was thinking, I'm sure we're 20th. <laughs> no, no we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're a little yeah. lower in the actual thing, but there you go. Um, yeah, so in the last 10 games between the two sides, not great for United, though, is it? Just the one win in that time. Um, yeah, so the, I mean, you kind of expect that. They, they, when they've played us in that last, what, 40 years or something that covers uh, 41 years back to um i'm just trying to load up the uh, the list here again now uh, i think it goes back to 1982 if my stats are right here um yes yeah, so in 1982 um if you go back to there the free free draw in the league cup uh that's the last that's 10 games going back and obviously the one win was a 5-0 win in april 1983 but that was back when we were in the uh well, if I could go in for promotion, I think to the. Um... But no, sorry, it was. I'm, 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 this list I'm looking at is really jumbled up. But yeah, that was in the old Division Two, which some of our younger fans won't remember. You remember it vaguely, don't you? Back in those days, no, I'm to... quite started. Well, I remember '85, '86 when we got relegated. So that's what I mean. You you do remember the se- the yeah, one yeah. season at that level, don't you? That's that's yeah. the one thing you remember. Um, we did actually get beat 5 0 by them in uh, 1987. And I think I think a certain former striker played back then, Mr. Ian Stevens, possibly, for Bolton mm-hmm. back then, right at the start of his career. So there you go. Um, referee for this one, Seb Stocksbridge. Stockbridge, sorry, not Stocks. Uh, from Tyne and Weir. It is 11th season as an EFL referee, taking charge of 10 games so far this season, handing out 50 yellows and one red card. Last season, he handed out 103 yellows and five red cards in 34 games. Um, the last United game he took charge of the 3-2 defeat to Salford City back in April and what happened in that game Dan? What didn't happen? Yeah, John Mellish got sent off for a shove while we won a penalty um, yeah. yeah quite ridiculous that wasn't it really that yeah. uh, Elliot Watts play acting caught out Mr Stockbridge hopefully he's going to be a bit better for this one um, yeah Right, uh, as we've said, this season we're bringing back the play for both section. Who have you got for this one? There's plenty to choose from, isn't there? This is there's the a big list. Yeah, there's you know when 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 I first started thinking, but uh, I've had to go with uh, this one. He's 63 year old. He resides in the city. Born in Manchester, striker. Ooh, George Agani. Ooh, George Agani. I thought you might go for Ian Stevens. I really did. Yeah, I feel no, like you're, hold, no. you're holding off that one, aren't you? <laughs> Maybe when we play Cheltenham for his loan spell he had there, possibly. Cause there's nothing to yeah. from there, but but no, uh, he, he actually started his youth career at Sheffield United, apparently, uh, mm. George. And then he, he moved to Berry. And he, he didn't, you know, he didn't really... He actually went to Hyde United uh, for mm. the first formative years of his career. But he scored a goal every other game. So, like... 1870 league games for Hyde and uh, caught the eye of Bolton where he uh, he had three or four years scored a few goals 100 odd games yeah just under one in three he did have a brief spell at Wrexham on loan towards the end of his time at Bolton Uh, then he moved to Burnley which is probably where he's best known for playing I would suggest you know, a couple of seasons at Burnley. Then he became a bit of a nomad for a little bit. Uh, Stockport for a few games, Hereford for a few. 
uh, even back at Hyde United for a game. Then he uh, he ended up at Scarborough. He did all right there. And then he, uh, he actually ended up at Paphos in Cyprus for a season. Uh, once that was done, he, uh, he came and signed for Carlo. Uh, did all right. We were just starting to rise again after, you know, finishing bottom of the pile. And yeah. He did, he did all right here. You know, he scored a few goals. He was a crowd favourite and just sort of, he was probably getting on a little bit too much for what was about to happen at the club. But he's one who's looked on fondly at Carlisle. Uh, he actually did continue playing for Norwich Victoria for a couple of years and did all right there. But I think his actual last club was possibly Geisley where he had a couple yeah. of games. But uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's made his home in the city and, uh, He's, he's well well thought of by uh, people who were watching Carlisle when he was here, and that's uh, Ujo Jagani. Yeah, a bit of a cult player, isn't he? I think is the way you describe him. One of those yeah. players who, you know, works really hard, chips in a fair, you know, his, his fair share of goals. Not, not I'm, pr- I'm prolific, not yeah. sure how true this is. Go on. Well, you seemingly, you? No, no, seemingly oh. he was the first black person to play for Bolton Wanderers. Oh, was he? I don't know the validity of this claim because it is just on wikipedia hmm. but seemingly yeah i thought you were going to tell the other story there about him but uh, yeah you're going to leave that one out i think yeah yeah <laughs> leave that. i think most it's, fans know the story it's it's well known and easy found <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try and bash through as many of these as quickly as possible because it's a long list, but I think it's worth listing some of them because some cracking names in there. The two Bens, the goalkeepers, Ben Anik and Ben Amos, have both uh, had spells there. Uh, Ryan Baldacino. I'm going to put it out there, right? I think Ryan Baldacino is one of the most overrated Carlisle players of the last 20 years or so. The way some of our fans used to bang on about him, and I never got it. Never, ever got it with him. <laughs> no, no me neither. Yeah. I, Ian Bailey. I think Ian Bailey. He, he, he was, put it this way, he was no Adam Rundle. No, exactly. And and, and Rundle wasn't the greatest player in the world either. So, you know, <laughs> it goes to say. Um, Ian Bailey, who I think was the first ever player we had on loan, funny enough. So you've got an interesting little uh, record from there. There are some belting players in here Peter Beardsley, Jermaine Beckford, uh, Graham Bell, Reese Bennett, Michael Bridges, Danny Butterfield. Zach Clough, yeah, less said about him, the better probably. Uh, Brandon Comley, Julian Darby. I, I always quite like Julian Darby. He's kind of sort of like a steady sort of player. He didn't play that many games for us, did he? He was a steady no. player in that Ian Atkins season. Kyle Dempsey, as we obviously mentioned already. Andy Dibble. Andy, one of Andy Dibble's many, many clubs that he played for. Uh, Mark Ellis started his career there, but he didn't play a first-team game. Wayne Whistle, he seems to get mentioned every now and then on here. Uh, Paul Fitzpatrick was a popular player as well, wasn't he, in his time with us? Um, yeah. Mark Gavin, Matty Glennon, Arthur Ganua, uh, Mike Graham. Um, would you see Mike Graham play for it towards the start of your time watching us? I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, yeah. Um, Bob Hatton, uh, Dean Holsworth got that one right, thankfully. Uh, Darren Holloway, Mark Howard, and Chris Howarth were both there, two goalkeepers. The <laughs> legend, that... George <laughs> Ilyev. Oh, my word, John McGee, a long term listener of this, would will be. Feeling, you know, you probably having shivers hearing that name from that Portsmouth game. He was abs- he was bloody awful, wasn't he? If you look at him, I think he played four games for us, and then he left Bolton after he went back off to his loan and played one game for a team in Bulgaria, and then just disappeared off the face of the earth. 
Yeah. Strange one, though, isn't it? Really strange one. Jack Idell, obviously we've mentioned before. Matt Janssen had a short spell there. Uh, Geffen Jones, Luke Joyce had a spell there as a youth player. Sam Lavelle, David Lee. David Lee's one of those ones who you kind of wanted to sign for longer, didn't you? Because he was good in the brief spells you saw for, for us. But never yeah. quite happened, did it? Um, no. Pint-sized winger we had in the early noughties. Gary Medin, Neil McDonald, uh, Joe McKee. God, but you forgot he was there. Uh, Lubo Michalik, Sean Miller, George Agani, as you mentioned already, Dan, Tony Philliskirk, um, Jamie Proctor, David Reeves, of course, had a decent spell there, Jack Round, Barry Siddle. I think you could back Barry Siddle for another one, didn't you, early this season, possibly? Yeah. Um, Jeff Smith, Johan Smith, the original USA chanting. Um, who else? Ian Stevens, as I've mentioned before, Cleveland Taylor, Mark Tierney, James Trafford, Peter Valentine. Uh, Andy Walker, Paul Warhurst, Hayden White, Tom White, Stuart Whitehead, Ben Williams, and finally, one of my favourites, Mark Beefwin Stanley. Great player, yes. was a uh, big Mark Win Stanley, wasn't he, back then? And there you go, that's the long, it's a hell of a long list, that, isn't it? But there you go. Right, let's talk about United end of the game then, Dan. Um, injury wise, uh, some good news Ben Barkley back in training. It's good yeah, to see. Uh... Should possibly available for Saturday, according to Simo's update today. And then we've got a gradual return of three separate plays, haven't we? So Dylan McGeoch at the end of this month, Taylor yeah. Charters at the end of November, and Josh Coyote towards the end of December, isn't it? So yeah. there's, a, there's a clear path there, isn't those players coming back? And I think McGeoch's probably the most frustrating a lot, isn't it, really? Because yeah. you kind of hope he could be quite good and he just hasn't It was, really it was a bit of an innocuous knock that he got. Yeah, he picked up a couple of them, and that, that that's a slightly concerning, isn't it? The, I, I think I think he got a bad kick on the car for something, mm. and it's just just in the wrong place, and it's yeah. 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 Um, I should say actually, we haven't done too many loan watches this season. Uh, in terms of Max and uh, Kai, not a great week for them. Uh, Aaron got beat five nil by Hamilton on the Friday on the Friday night. night wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, for this one formation, Dan, what are you going to do? Are you going to stick with four three three? You're going to go back to three five two. I think we'll go back to three five two on the basis there, mm-hmm. play three at the back as well. Yeah. Holy staying in net, I presume. Yeah. Um and I'm guessing Huntington comes back in. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, who, who do you bring him in for? That's the million dollar question, isn't it? Uh, I think surely it's gonna be Alfie, you'd think, wouldn't you? You would probably think Alfie. Hmm. And I, I didn't think he, he had a terrible game. I think he, I mean, I I think he played he well. Right, you know? yeah. yeah, I think he was yeah, busy. And yeah. he, he broke quite well, actually, on the counter-attack a few times. Yeah, also, you know, yeah. He'd be unlucky, but I think he'd probably understand in the yeah. circumstances. You know, Gibson's been excellent this season, and Moxon and Guy are just the first picks at the moment, aren't they, really? They're going to start mm. most games, so that's what I expect. So, yeah, you, you'd probably put Gibber back into the midfield three. What do you do in attack, though? Well, I said it earlier. I'd li- mm. I'd like to see. I don't think it'll happen though. Edmondson and Maguire. I-, I agree with you. I think I'd like to see that. I'd like to see. I I, I think that is a com- That could be the combination. And I've got this feeling that it's one of those that when it does happen, we will all say, "Why haven't we done this earlier?" Yeah, I feel like Edmondson will thrive off a big away following as well. I feel like he yeah, could really yeah. perform in that. Plunge. Yeah. I think he's done well when he's come in. I'm just I'm just still not convinced, and I'm not convinced about him and Maguire. I think mean, that's where I've got the problem. Yeah, there's only so long you can persist to try and get a partnership out of them. I just don't I think, think it's worked. I think with Garner, he's an impact player for me now. 
I, I agree, and I've, I think occasionally you'll start him. And yes, I think in this, yeah. I, I think in this game, he'd be perfect for coming on as a sub late on to try and win your free yeah, kicks and yeah. really annoy a big home crowd as well. I think he'd yeah. be really good at that. Subs wise, it's just Anderson back in for a breeze. You'd think. You would think, possibly that, Barkley just, on the bench. Maybe for Whelan, but then Whelan's been on there for a while and he's yeah. a bit fit. Whelan obviously coming back in for Huntington. I, I, would, I mean, I know we don't talk about it, but we've got a game in that godforsaken trophy next week. Uh, yeah. You would imagine Barkley and Whelan will play. Yeah, you'd imagine they're both playing that, so that's good, good, good game time for them. Uh, probably Jack Ellis as well, probably in that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah uh, I mean, looking ahead to the next six fixtures, it does ease off a little bit, doesn't it? You've obviously got Portsmouth away, which is going to be a very tough game. But other than that, yeah. actually, Orient home is a game you can target for points. Then Burton at home, definitely. Yeah. Cambridge away. And then also you've got the FA Cup as well, which is yeah. something to look forward to. So hopefully get a good draw in that. Um, in terms of predictions, I think it's still the same. I don't think any of us predict. Well, we didn't do predictions for midweek, of course. Well, I, I was going to go one old Jordan Gibson personally. But... <laughs> oh, were you? I bet you were. I bet you were. I probably was going to go for a draw on that, to be fair. I think all three of us probably would have done. But um, what are you going to go for for this one, Dan? Let's upset the apple cart and have a 3 1 classic away game from the Fords. Ooh. And Gosh. I'm going to go for Maguire, Gibson to get another. And we do a goal off a corner, Sam Lavelle. Against his former club as well. You know mm. what? I'm going to join you on that. I'm going to go 3-1 win. I'm not, no, I can't put Lavelle as well. You've put in that. That would be unfair. I'm going to go 3-1. Paul Huntington will get one of them. Uh, Ryan Edmondson. And why not Owen Moxon? I think he, I think he's due a big performance, a real big performance yeah. for this season. So I'm going to go three-one win as well. Why not be optimistic? Right, let's have Mike's prediction for this one as well. I'm going to go for a two-two draw with goals from Lavelle and Ablade. Well, you going for Big Tezza to score a goal? Mm. There you go. Right, I saw him score a goal last midweek. Did you? Carlisle City in the Cumberland Cup. Oh, of course, yeah. You, you were yeah. at that game, weren't you? Yeah. Not not yeah. the best weather for that one, was it? I think it's fair to say. Not the, not, not the best game, never mind the best weather. No, no, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Right, yeah. X-Files time, Dan. There's quite a bit to cover this week, actually, isn't there? There's a fair few yeah. goals and a few little Let bits. me just get my notes. In other words, my phone that's currently on charge, because it's low as. Right, X-Files. Uh Going back to the weekend, we had Mackie Wells scored for Bristol City in a 3-2 home defeat to Stoke. Uh, Regan Slater, didn't we mention him the other week? We did, yeah. A, he's got a couple of yeah. goals now, yeah. Yeah, he netted in Hull's one-all draw with uh, Plymouth. Did you see the tale about the Plymouth bus that broke down there? No, I didn't, no. One of the Plymouth buses broke down at Hull. And then the replacement bus broke down. I think they got home at something like 10 a.m. on Sunday. Wow. After having three or four separate buses. God. If you search on Google it or Twitter search it, it should come up. Wow. Uh, Jack Marriott scored the only goal. Fleetwood's 1-0 win over Audium. He's a hit of form, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, Pat Bruff scored for Northampton Mm. late in the game. 2-0 win at Exeter. Uh, I saw this goal. Uh, It was a nice little finish. Mm. Uh, Andy Cook scored a penalty in Bradford's 3-1 home defeat to Walsall uh, Bradford who are now managerless unlucky mm. Mark uh, never mind 
Adam Campbell scored for Crawley, 3 0 home win over Sutton, still doing he's all right. A, yeah, he's doing really well at Crawley, isn't he? He's a, yeah. a bit of form, yeah. Stop the press, this is not a fire drill. Tyrese Omatai scored for Forest Green in the 2 1 home defeat to Morecambe. Do you know what, Dan? This was so unexpected, you didn't actually even put it in the group. I, I yeah, spotted I it when I was looking at everything. I was like, oh, wow, yeah. that, guess, that was for sure. Yeah, that switched off to him, you know. Yeah. Uh, into non league, uh, here's a good one, uh, a good story. Toby Shaw Silver got his mm. first goal for Maidenhead in a one all home draw with Chesterfield. That's a decent draw for them. Yeah. Uh, uh, Byron Webster popped up with a goal for Bromley in a 3 1 home win over Gateshead. Uh, Angelo Balanta scored uh, scored in the three one defeat at Ebb's Fleet. He's been playing well at the moment. It's three games in a row. Because I mentioned him in the play for both, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Exactly and, that. and then Tristan Abraham scored for Welling in a two all draw with Gosport Butter in the FA Cup, which leads me on to midweek where Tristan Abraham scored two in the 4 2 uh, win in the replay. Do we miss him going to Welling United? I feel like we no. just completely missed that. Did no. we mention no, it? I'll, I'll, I'll definitely put it in the chat when it oh, happens. Really. Well, there you, we, yeah. we probably did say I just I just completely yeah. glossed over it. There you go. Um, we mentioned earlier Jack Iredale had a hell of a game for Bolton mm. against Stevenage. He scored, won a penalty, and got an assist. So he, he helped all three goals. His assist for the third goal is a beauty as well. It's a lovely lofted ball down the middle for um, Josh Sheehan. To score the goal. Really, really yeah. good assist. He's doing really well there. Uh, Jack Marriott scored again for Fleetwood in a 2-0 mm. win at Cheltenham. That's a couple of good results for them, isn't mm. it? Uh, Andy Cook scored again. Uh, Bradford, a 2-1 loss at Tranmere, as I said. The game that cost Mark Hughes his uh, job. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, I owned an ad over this one, but he did go from Carlisle. Uh, Joe White scored his first goal for Crewe. In a 2 0 home win over Gillingham. To be fair, that's we... Gillingham who've now sacked me off. Thanks yeah, today. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Mm. I mean, to be fair, we do include Dean Henderson and, yeah, and James Trafford. James Trafford, yeah. So. And last but not least, uh, for goals anyway, Nathan Thomas scored for Mars United. Mask. Sorry, I misspelled that. In there. a 5 2 home defeat to FC United. A oh. uh, little bit of other news. Simon Grand made his 700th appearance uh, while playing for Lancaster City, is it, is that fan- not? Yeah, it's a fantastic achievement, hasn't it? Yeah. He scored another goal as well the other day. He's incredible scoring. And one that most people have probably seen. But uh, Jamie Devitt signed for Workington until the end of the season with his old yeah. mate Danny Granger. Yeah, really good. It's a good move for that for him, isn't it, really? Because there's not going to be as much pressure there. You can probably only train maybe once a week with him. He doesn't have to go both days, I'd guess, and... Yeah, just just fits quite nicely, doesn't it? And for for that at that level, he should take the piss, shouldn't he? Really, yeah. If he's fit, yeah. And the last bit is the the Keith Billen news, which I didn't include because it came in that late. <laughs> yeah, uh, Gillingham. Uh, we, I just mentioned there, Neil Harris lost his job. Uh, Keith Millen's been put in temporary charge. Was he uh, head of head, recruitment head, there or something like that? I think. Or? I th- he's, he's either that or involved with something. <laughs> but uh, I'll be off to Bet Three Six Five to see the price of an opponents for the weekend. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly fancy them to beat them because, yeah, let's yeah. say he wasn't particularly great with us, was he? But there you go. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it then, Dan. We're at the end. Mm. Um, it's a long episode, this one, isn't it? Even we had on the uh, the Behind Enemy Lines section, but two games to cover and, and plenty to talk about and a lot to get excited about this weekend, isn't it, for the trip to Bolton? I'm sure there'll be 
so many color fans traveling down the M6 and the M61 and and obviously down the uh, the West Coast line as well. It, it's going to be a real. It's one of those games you just look forward to, isn't it? You know, it's up there with like you know Darlington away in 2006 and you know the Preston away in, in 2011 and stuff like that. It's it's going to be good and let's just hope the team can put performance in, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Pray and hope, don't we? Uh, thanks once again to our sponsor, London Branch, for their support this season. Always appreciated. We'll be back with a review of the uh, Bolton game next week and a look ahead to uh, the home game against Leighton Orient. Uh, well, and that, all I've got left to say is uh, thanks for listening and up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.